welcome to our humble little patch chapel in Stuttgart. If I haven't met you, if this is your first time here, we want to say welcome to you. Uh, we believe that we serve a God who has open arms and is welcoming. And from the moment that you step in this place, we hope that you feel that. Um, we also know in our, in, our, in our military culture, we all come from different backgrounds. And so we want to just provide a place that we're celebrating the resurrection of our Lord, regardless of our, of our backgrounds. We do call this a traditional service, um, even though we all come from different traditions. Today is a, is a very a special day. We know it as Mother's Day. And what we want to do today is, in our worship too, uh, we want to challenge the status quo of how we've always looked at Mother's Day. I looked up a little history on Mother's Day. And it was created uh, in, by Anna Jarvis in 1908. And it officially became a holiday in 1914. I didn't know this, but later on in the last part of her life, uh, Jarvis would denounce the holiday as because uh, beca- it became so commercialized. And she spent the latter part of her life trying to remove it from the calendar. She said it backfired. Following her death in 1905, Anna Jarvis conceived Mother's Day as a, as a way of honoring the sacrifices mothers have made for their children. Lots of sacrifice. So here's, here's what I would like to do, we would like to do is, is I grew up in a church where we, on Mother's Day, all the mother, we, we called all these mothers up there, we gave them roses, we talked about them, and for years I forgot about what's, what, what else is going on in the congregation. Mother's Day could be a day where it reminds us of a lot of grief in our own lives. Some are here as geo-bachelorettes, and they're sad because they're separated from their children. On today, some might be grieving because of a miscarriage. Some might be grieving because of the death of a child. Some mothers are grieving because, well, they experienced abuse at the hands of their own mom or at the words of their mom. Some people here are, well, in the world, are grieving for their mom who has recently become a widow. Some people are grieving because of the death of their mom. Some people are in a difficult season of motherhood and they're grieving from that. Other people are grieving from the effects of infertility. And so today, we, as we celebrate the good news of Jesus Christ that comes in the midst of a lot of bad news. We pray for everyone to experience healing for their, for their own sadness and loss. And as we celebrate today resurrection and what that means for all of humanity, we, we pray that Jesus would meet you exactly where you're at so you can experience healing in Jesus' name. When you came in, you should have also received uh, a bulletin, uh, a handout, and if you didn't get one, you could raise your hand, we can can get one to you. We do this for several reasons, and I will will say everything that we are offering in our community, because uh, we also record this, and we want people to hear uh, the events that we have on. Uh, We have high school graduates coming next week, Sunday, May 21st. We're going to honor our high school graduates, so if you can come and help us... uh, celebrate with our high school graduates.
Guten Morgen. Special announcement. Special announcement from uh, Frau Gudrun. Dankeschön. Okay. Vielen Dank. Okay. This is a sad season where we have to say bye to a lot of people. Um, so, for the first Sundays of June, July, and August, we are going to farewell and, and welcome, hail and farewell, all those who are moving uh, this summer. So, if you're, if you're moving, would you please let us know? Please don't, don't sneak out the back. We want to, we want to honor you. Um, we want to pray for you as well and, and send you off. Financial Peace University, uh, we're launching a course here from 10 May to 29 June. And uh, this includes dinner, but no childcare. And it's going to be right here. Uh, sign up is with Sergeant First Class Sandino, and his email is in here. We're starting something new at Pat's Chapel, the ringing of the bell outside, just for one minute before chapel starts. And uh, Grady Brown, is Grady here? Okay, yes, he's, I think he's, he's out today. Uh, he'll be, he'll be uh, the master of the bell. That's going to be great. <laughs> Good old Grady. Okay, uh, VBS. VBS is such a, such a good time. I mean, how many of you have ever been to VBS before? I'm talking about adults as well. I remember stuff from VBS that I, that I heard in, in the 80s. Like stuff that I will never forget. I, I can recite all 66 books of the Bible because of VBS things. So make sure you, you children, mark this down. VBS is going to be amazing. And we're not using some, some uh, pre-made program that we didn't think of. This is... This was actually generated here with, you know, it's the brainchild of, of the Bryans, Jesus as prophet, priest, and king. It's going to be a, a wonderful time. Okay, that's July 31st through August 2nd. Um, music here, we're looking for a, someone who can get up here and lead, lead the music. And not just get up here and, and stand up here, but just to help us lead in the, in the worship of singing through song. Uh, Protestant women of the chapel just completed their, their semester, and they're going to resume again in the fall. I mean, I, I think Pewaukee is probably as big as this congregation. It's, it's massive, and, and they're, a force, they're a force that are uh, prayer warriors. So women, if you want to be a part of that, please join. Our youth ministry is also thriving. The high schoolers are getting ready for their Scotland trip, where I think they're going to be on a bus for like, like 100 hours because they're driving to Scotland. So if you, I think there might be still room for that, contact Grady Brown for that. There's a couple of men's fellowship studies. We have one at Patch. I'm part of the one at, at uh, Kelly, and we meet in the mornings. At Patch, they meet here at 6.30 Wednesdays, and uh, Kelly, they meet, we meet at 6.30 on Thursdays at Kelly in the canteen. Officer Christian Fellowship is hosted by the Willenda family over at Kelly Barracks, if you're interested in that, and a student-led prayer at the, at the flagpole at Stuttgart. Um, who leads that again? I... Yes, yes, Sophie. It, it was wonderful, wonderful to have, to have students, high schoolers, praying together at the pole. I remember being a part of that in high school. It's, it's powerful, super powerful, and, and what we're needed. Okay, lastly, if you, if you notice, if this is your first time here, if you just PCS here, you notice that everybody's in this room. We love worshiping together as a family. Uh, we even embrace the noise. 
So you might hear babies crying from time to time. You might hear kids getting elbowed. That's all part of a sign that we are growing as a congregation. So uh, we embrace it. We, 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 we like the noise. All right. If there's no more announcements, please stand with us as we sing our next song. Good morning. Today's Old Testament reading is from the book of Proverbs, chapter 31, verses 1 through 9. It's on page 471 of your pew Bibles. The sayings of of King Lemuel, an oracle his mother taught him. O my son, O son of my womb, O son of my vows, do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, not for kings to drink wine, not for rulers to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what the law decrees and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. Give beer to those who are perishing, wine to those who are in anguish. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. And the New Testament reading is in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. It's on page 842. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am, persuade, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flames the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am, yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching, with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. This is the word of the Lord. Call our ushers up for our offering.
does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Thank you to our choir. Can we give them a round of applause? That was beautiful.
Okay, um, as you transition in our, in our worship, uh, we, we have a, a set time for, for prayer. We've been thinking a lot about prayer lately. In fact, was it two weeks ago or last week? We, we, did, a, we did a retreat uh, for, for marriage, marriage enrichment. And uh, one thing I shared is this form of prayer that I've been doing it for years, but I just finally put a, put a name to it. I connected someone else created it's called Acts, Acts Prayer. So Acts is A-C-T-S, starting off prayer with adoration, then confession, and then uh, thanksgiving, and then supplication, which is a fancy word for asking God for stuff. So as we do Acts Prayer, we hope that at, as prayer is integrated into, into your life, that it really leads and shapes the way you do everything. But this is a nice little model that, that we hope inspires you that you get to apply every day. And it would go something like this. Let's, let's pray. God, we adore you. Thank you for your creation. Thank you for life, that we get to do life together amidst a lot of grief. Lord, we confess that we have taken our eyes off of you. And we thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, we ask that you uh, give us your perspective on everything in life. And as we celebrate uh, today, this day we, we set aside to, to honor the sacrifices of mothers, we also acknowledge, God, that there's a lot of grief going on throughout the world and in this very room. So, Lord, we bring our sadness and our lost wounds to you that we may be find healing in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for this series in Ephesians, that it be a reminder again of our true identity in Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. This morning, uh, Teresa uh, gave me a really beautiful poem in this book, and I'd like to read it to you this morning. It's a liturgy, um, The Light of Their Way, a prayer for Mother's Day. God of heaven and earth, we feel it in our bodies and souls. We know this to be true. Mothers are essential. Soft, but strong. With open arms and hearts, we thank you for the array of women who are nurturing our world in all their varied ways, cultivating peace through their mothering spirits. We thank you for the women who raised us, for the women who taught us how to love boldly, to stand courageously. We thank you for the women who showed us how to care for others, and how to care for ourselves, too. God of heaven and earth, we thank you for the mothers, the ones up late into the night, the ones showing up, doing their best. We thank you for their presence has cared for us all. God of heaven and earth, we feel it in our bodies and souls. We know this to be true. Mothers are essential. Thank you, Teresa.
been a while since we've uh, said the Lord's Prayer together, and it's not um, something we always do, but it's good to remind us, I think, of words that are being prayed in other churches around the globe. Of course, this is the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in a very contrite way, not in a, a formal sense, like it's a formula, but, but as you think about the churches that meet all around the world now, a lot of them I pray this prayer, so let's take a moment and let's join this, this liturgical prayer, but the prayer from the Lord Jesus that he taught us to pray. Let's say it together, shall we? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. good to see um, several of you who are new here again. I, I know welcome back to some of you who've been in college. Joel's back. I think Clacy's back too. And, and again, um, like Ryan did so well every time, we welcome so much all of you who are, who are new here for the first time. It's good to see you here today be with us. Um, this past month, though, we have been intentional to think about our graduates and our students who are soon to be leaving um, over the past month, using the teaching text of the book of Ephesians, this letter to the Ephesians as ways to send them out with strength. But the thought occurred to me this week, and it's been, it's stuck in my mind all this week, that being a graduate is hard. Yes, it is hard to make that change and the stress that comes with it. But there is a role that's even harder than being a graduate. Any guesses? Yes. <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. Launching children is probably one of the most difficult um, tasks we have on earth. Um, so being a parent of a graduate, I think, is a role that's being harder than a graduate. So teenagers here, those of you who order teens, please give grace to your parents. They haven't practiced this role of launching yet. So give them all the grace that they can. Does the Bible speak about launching parents, or about launching children? <laughs> launching parents, that'd be, that's probably needed too. Um, launch them out the world. I think it does. And um, this prayer that we have in the book of Ephesians speaks to that. Um, Paul was not a biological father by any means, but he did mentor. And he did train. He did disciple. He poured his life into the people who were entrusted to his care. The words that Emily read today in 2 Timothy, he writes, To Timothy, my beloved child. And in the second chapter, he writes, Be strengthened, my child, in the grace that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
a few pages before, in the, in the letter he wrote to the, to the Thessalonians, to Thessalonica, he writes, you know how we prove to be like a father to you, exhorting you and charging you to walk in a manner that is worthy of our Lord. And then Paul even writes, he says, we prove to be gentle among you like a nursing mother would care for her children. We're ready to share with you not only the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, but also our lives because we've become very, become very, you've become very dear to us. And this is the heart of the pastor John in the book of Third John who says, I have no greater joy, you know how this goes, than to see my children walking in the truth. So, yes, parents, mothers, Mother's Day here is good for a good here for a good reason. But for those who you view who are single, don't hide. Because in the example of Paul, in the example of John, even the example of the Lord Jesus himself, who never had biological children, launching and raising as investing in people is well worth your time. And so today's scripture that we read in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16, please find it if you can. It's a scripture text that I think it is for those of you, those of us, all of us, who are in the ministry of launching people, sending out people into the world. And Paul models for us what every parent, every disciple maker must be able to do, and that is to pray. Paul teaches us how to pray. He prays for our children, and so should we. So today, the theme of today is prayer. Pray for someone on your mind. Is that a spouse? Is it a close friend? Is it a child you're ready ready to launch? If you've never really had someone to teach you how to pray, you've come at a good time, and Paul will help us today in the Word. So Ephesians chapter, chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Let's read the text together. Paul writes, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened so that you will know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints, And what is the surpassing or immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him in his right hand in the heavenly places. Paul continues, he says, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, Gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness, the fullness of him who fills all in all. In Paul's original Greek, 
That was 171 consecutive words, all in one tenth sentence. Paul does not teach us how to write concisely like a military audience might, but he teaches us how to pray. And isn't it what prayer is what we need to learn, not how to write these days? Before we get into the content of what Paul teaches us today, some, very, oh, some, some helpful thoughts I want to send you, thoughts I wish I would have learned when I was a young man learning what it means to pray from our first text in scriptures, Paul writes, I, I, I do not cease to give thanks for you. A simple reminder for all of you today that prayer is not just folding your hands, it's putting your hands in one place and heads bowed. There is a time and place for that, I think. Maybe when we're praying together as groups. But Paul reminds us what I, what I hope is obvious to you, that prayer is a continuous conversation. Why are you taking a walk? It's a prayer. Why are you doing the dishes? It's a prayer. Why are you changing diapers? It's a prayer. Why are you doing your work, taking your tests? Make it a prayer. The second thing, Paul writes, he says, I do not cease giving thanks to you. And he says, I remember you in my prayers. Paul prays for people. Sometimes you look in the text and you've got to realize what's not there. He's not praying for world peace. He's not praying for battles to be won. He's not praying for the Roman emperor. emperor. He's not praying for society. And while I think it's okay to pray for that at times, just notice Paul's style. He prays for souls. He prays for growth. He prays for people. Because when you pray for people, you remember their face, you remember their names. You remember compassion starts to grow with you from within. A third thing I think is unique about prayer is give direction to your prayers. You and I live in a world that is filled with vagueness. Thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. It's just the cliche thing we say these days, but Paul is different and so should we be. Paul gives direction to his prayers. He says, we pray to the God and to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. Our prayers are different because we have a mediator who is alive. In Romans chapter 8, Paul reminds us so well, he says, Jesus Christ is the one who died. He was raised. He's seated at his right hand right now who intercedes for us now. A good reminder, sometimes we don't think about, what is Jesus doing now that he's risen from the dead and he's seated in the right hand? He's preparing a place for us in heaven, but he's also interceding with us. Give it thought. Also in Romans chapter 8, very important to remember, the Holy Spirit is your helper when you pray. We do not know how we ought to pray but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, which ought to remind us that prayer is not just talking. Prayer is listening. Please make it a conversation, an enjoyable conversation. And next time, as you start to develop this habit of prayer, please, please, please make time to listen. One more thought that I'll leave you before we start to the content. Paul writes, I remember you in my prayers. It's often hard for us to remember how to pray, and so I encourage you to have a plan to pray, 
Yes, we can live spontaneously in our life and pray for people as they come to mind. There's nothing wrong with that. But it may be helpful to have a plan. We were at the Wallenda's house the other night, and they had pictures of people that they pray for on their refrigerator. Do you guys like maps? I love maps. I would love to have a map room. Wallpaper my room with maps and put people's pictures on maps. Instead of a map room, call it a prayer room. Maybe something easier, a dry erase board in your office or somewhere in your house, remembering names with you. But also a prayer journal. I thought about not telling you the story, but I will do it because it'll be brief. But hopefully to help you, um, not as the means for how to pray, but just as the encouragement that a prayer book can be. Um, Before I met Jody back in the 1990s, 1997, 1998, I was at a Bible study. And the guy there said, Eric, you should pray for your wife. I said, okay, I'll think about it. Got a call from my mom that weekend, and she said, Eric, you just, and just out of the blue, she says, Eric, you started praying for your wife. So about that time, the Bible study leader said, keep a journal of your prayers. Not that having a wife is everything, but I did need the help of my life. And 16 August 1998, I wrote down my wife. Three months later, Jody walks into my life. It's different. I, it's, I can tell you more details about it. But it was, the point is that when we look back at Jody's journal, she was praying in her journal for, should I go to Europe and, and go visit my parents is where we met. I'm praying at the same time too. And the encouragement is a prayer book. Because you can look back at your prayers, see how God has said, no, not yet. But sometimes, yes. So, however you pray, whomever you pray for, on a board, on a map, on a refrigerator, a sticky note by a computer, have a plan. And that's how Paul remembers, encourages us to remember how to pray. Okay, now the content of the prayer. There we go. So I put these words up here today because... Paul's words is 170 words, hard to remember. And as you read this text today, here's some structure you might have to organize your prayers and to maybe go back and reread this prayer and pray an intentional way. So let's begin. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Paul writes, I pray that the God of our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. As you pray for the person who's on your mind today, pray for God's wisdom for them to know him. There is a book of the Bible that is Centric to the idea of wisdom. It's the book of Proverbs, the one Emily read out today. From Proverbs chapter 2, we read, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk integrity. He guards the path of justice and he watches over the saints. For the person you are praying today for wisdom, do you want for them a shield? When you're launching your children into a school, do you want someone to guard their paths, to watch over them? 
I know you do. So pray for wisdom for that, the shield of wisdom, the sound of mind that comes from the God, from a God or Father. But there's more in this prayer, Paul, he writes. He says, I pray not just for wisdom and revelation, but I pray for, for knowledge of him. So as you pray for wisdom, pray that God would reveal himself, his character, his name, his heart, his mind, who he is to the one that you love. Pray for wisdom. Second, in verse 18, we read that Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, your heart, may be enlightened. Of course, Paul's not talking about the organ that pumps blood. He's talking about your passions, your mind, your emotions, that inner part of you that makes you who we are. And the last thing that I think all of us want is a hardened heart. And a calloused heart, a stubborn heart, a heart of stone. And that's why Paul prays in this way. One of the first things he prays for is that our eyes, the eyes of our heart, the personification of the word, the eyes of our heart may be enlightened. Jeremiah writes, the heart is deceitful and the heart is desperately sick. Ezekiel writes, we have a heart of stone. So whomever you pray for, pray that their heart would be enlightened, that their heart would wake up, that their heart would be softened, not calloused, be enlightened. The third thing Paul prays for in this prayer is, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you may know the hope of his calling. In today's language, the word hope is so vague hope for this, I hope for that. But that is not Christian hope. For those of you who are part of Protestant Women of the Chapel, PWOC, um, you had the last meeting a couple weeks ago, and you invited me to be there just to do some closeout moments with you. And I hope you remember what I spoke to you because we read out of Titus chapter 2, which is a chapter of the Bible which clarifies Christian hope. For the grace of God has appeared to us, bringing salvation to all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in his present age. That's the message of Titus 2. But then he says, while we wait for our hope, our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So for whomever you pray for, that one person, pray they keep hope fixed in their mind to give them fresh perspective, to see the big picture, to pull themselves out of the place where you're stuck in life. Eyes back, looking at the hope, the appearing of a future God who will come back in the flesh, face to face. The fourth way to pray is in the word inheritance. In verse 18, we read, I pray that you may know the riches of the glorious inheritance of the saints. There's not one of you here that is thinking about the future of the person you're praying for. 
as you send them out to a university or a trade school or a gap year or whatever you go and have you praying for your wife, or your husband, whoever's on your mind, I know you're thinking of their future. I think I told you this before, but for three years of my life, I did nothing but funerals. Three, four funerals a day, four or five a days a week, three consecutive years, that's a lot of funerals. And I've heard stories of men and women who've built and in their vestments all around their dream home, where they're going to live. They picked out the perfect spot to live, the perfect location and the perfect state. But all of that hard work, all of that money earned, Proverbs 23, verse 4 and 5, is proven true. Do not work to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to resist it. For your eyes light on it, then it's gone. For suddenly, wealth sprouts wings like an eagle and it flies away towards heaven. Is it okay to build an inheritance for your children? Of course it is. The same book of Proverbs says, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Yes, please save. But if you want to give your children a true inheritance, give them something that money cannot buy, Paul writes, I want you to know the riches of God's inheritance for the saints. And yes, it's true. The inheritance we have is, we cannot imagine it. But that word can also be be also translated in the saints. For I want you to know God's inheritance in the saints. Both translations are good, but in other words, it's you. Who are God's inheritance? You are the reward. I want you to know God's inheritance in the saints. What a beautiful thought to consider that you, your creation, is what God has been looking forward to an inheritance all along. Point number five, pray for power. Of course, we pray for inner strength. We pray for conviction. We pray for drive. We pray for willpower, the power to make good decisions, the power to stand up in this world. Yes, pray for that for whomever you want to pray for. But the power that Paul prays for in this context is not any of those. He prays for a power that you and I know very little of because it's a power that runs completely opposite for how this world thinks or acts. Because it's a power that delights itself in weakness. And if you haven't heard it in a while, please hear it today. It's okay to be weak. In fact, biblically, it's commendable to be weak. Jesus' words to Paul, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Paul responds in 2 Corinthians 12, he says, therefore, I boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. For the power of Christ may then rest upon me. He says, for the sake of Christ then, I'm content, I'm content with my weakness. Insults, hardships, persecutions, things that go wrong, calamities. For I am, when I'm weak, 
then I'm strong. So for whomever you decide to pray for today, and pray for this year, I should say, I pray that you may know what is the immeasurable or the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. This is according to his great might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from his dead, seated him his right hand in the heavenly places. The person you're praying for today, pray for weakness and power, but pray they may know resurrection power. The power of God that brings dead things to life. Two last ways to pray. They come from the last few verses in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21. I encourage you to underline, double underline, triple underline the word authority. If there's one word I think that is so lacking in my life and in society too is our appreciation for authority. So for whomever you pray for today, pray they will have eyes open to God's good authority, authority that works. The hierarchy, the organization of the universe works when things are in proper authority. But it's so hard, I know, because all of us enjoy being independent. And there's goodness to being independent, I get that. But very few of us enjoy being told what to do or how to do it. And if we're all self-aware enough, I know that we enjoy being in authority. But Paul's prayer is so compelling. It's not something that I would pray for myself, and I think something you would pray for. He ends this prayer by looking at the true author, the true authority from whom all things come. Verse 21, he says, God has seated Jesus, him, Christ, at his right hand, that's the position of power, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is named. Every name that is named. Not only in this age, but in the one to come. God put Jesus' things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. So for whomever you pray, pray for their humility to embrace and even love. I think you can grow to love the word authority because it's a good authority and he's a good author. He knows what he's doing. He can be trusted. One last way to pray today Underline the word, the body, the body of Christ and the church. Whomever you pray for, pray they find a role in the body of Christ. Not as a spectator, though. Not as someone who comes to church just to listen. Because when you start using your gift and your 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 ability in the local church, whether it be on a Sunday or throughout the week too, it's then you experience the fullness of how Jesus intends life to be led. 
We'll speak more of it when we get to Ephesians chapter 4. But I'll give you a little preview of it right now. Paul says that every believer, every member, is part of the body. Jesus is the head of the body. Follow this metaphor. And every single one of us has a, a role to play. And according to the proper working of each individual part, when we're all building each other up in love, <laughs> we get to see the fullness of God and who he's meant to be. The reason why church is boring, the reason why people enjoy coming to it is because of the classic part where only a few part do all the work. But when everybody's doing their part and everyone's doing their gifting and their skill and the way that God made them, it's just a beautiful thing to see. Right? Don't you agree? Don't you want to have a church like that? We can be that. When we launched our two kids to college, we're still launching. We're never, never done. The thing that helped us the most and the thing that I'm most thankful for was not the quality of the university's education. What was most helpful for us was the humble, loving, empowering church he found off post of his university. The fullness of Jesus is experienced in the local church. People who help you get your car worked on, people who give you rides to the airport, people who welcome you into your home and give you a home-cooked meal, people who challenge you and rebuke you, people who give you hugs and can commiserate you when you've had really hard days. So, as you pray for the person that's on your mind today, pray they experience the fullness of what a church with the body of Christ can be. Has anyone seen this painting before? It's in the British Museum in London. After Jesus' resurrection, his followers didn't just stay in Jerusalem. The early Christians, they, they actually obeyed Jesus. They, they heard that great commission. They said, go therefore to all the nations. They actually really did. John Mark, who we know was Mark, um, the writer of the second gospel, book of Mark, went, probably went to Africa. And according to tradition, it was Mark who went to Alexandria, Egypt, old Alexandria, which no longer exists. It's a place where he was eventually martyred. Um, it's um, where Codex Alexandrian Drinus, it's the place where one of the early manuscripts of the scripture was actually found, and it's kind of a beautiful thing if you're interested in Bible manuscripts. But the church really blossomed and grew in northern Africa. Um, the Coptic Christians in Egypt, kind of maybe as a reflection from Mark, I don't know, places like Carthage, which is modern-day Tunisia, but also in Algeria, in a town that we don't really, I don't think, know much about, Hippo, the place where we see this man and woman were from, Augustine, St. Augustine, and his mother, Monica. Monica was a very devout Christian. You can see it on her face. She gave her best to her son, gave the best education possible. She really exhausted her money to give him a good education. 
But it's during the years that Augustine went to get his education and he fell into serious moral failure. Times don't change, do they? You'll get an education, you just kind of fall in the traps. You can see it on his face. But Monica followed her son wherever he went. She prayed for him persistently. Augustine later wrote in one of his books, he says, My mother, she liked to have me with her, as mothers do, but far more than most mothers. But Monica continued to pray. She continued to fast for 15 years. But in time, the eyes of his heart were enlightened. All in God's time. Augustine was baptized. He renounced his sin and his worldliness. In time, he became one of the most influential Christian writers this world has known. Augustine's Confessions, City of God, put him on your summer reading list. Augustine's writings greatly influenced John Calvin and Martin Luther, many others. It's not so much of a stretch to say that Augustine helped to shape our church and how we see it today. So last week, when you watched the coronation of King Charles, Westminster Abbey, spectacular sight to behold, Protestant church elevating a Protestant king, my mind came back to Monica, a praying mother who prayed for 15 years for a son she launched, the son who helped church be faithful to God's word. You never know the power of a praying mother and a praying father and a praying mentor, a praying disciple maker. So I challenge for you, make Ephesians chapter one a model for how you pray. You never know how God might work through your prayers. I thought we'd sing a hymn today as we close today. Um, a hymn that they actually sang at the coronation of King Charles. Why don't you stand with me? Let's sing the gospel together. Praise my soul, the King of heaven.
Sound like Westminster's Abbey. <laughs> let's say this together, shall we? On the back of our bulletin, let's read it out together. It's a scripture memory challenge. I really want you to see in your mind. Let's try it together. Here we go. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, every family of heaven and on earth his name, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height, depth, to know the love of Christ with surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him, glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus, for all generations, forever and ever and ever. Happy Mother's Day. Have a wonderful week. Next week, we're going to honor our graduates. So next week, if you're here, come early, we're going to have... Five graduates, part of our service next week. Hope you can be here. Okay? God's blessings to you. Have a good week. Mm -hmm.